You follow it by turning on the microphone and then asking the question. Now, I'm not going to sing. I'm just well impressed that you can get persona non grata in a song. That's pretty cool, isn't it? It's not bad for you, Adrian. It must have been Alison helped him, I reckon. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> Try and come along on, on Thursday and Friday and Saturday to the outreach and Sunday to church and Monday for the walk. And uh, you can have a rest on Tuesday. But um, try and come along. Easter is just my favorite time of the year where we have all these different things uh, happening and we can really remember uh, the Lord Jesus and what he did in dying on the cross and rising again to life. So try and come along. Try and invite people along to all the different things. But what a great way to start with Adrian's concert on Thursday evening. So try and come along. This evening, um, I'm going to carry on in the, the book of Proverbs. We've been thinking of Proverbs um, over the last month or two. And um, tonight I'm going to just pick a few verses from Proverbs chapter 15, and then a few verses uh, from elsewhere in Proverbs, and a few verses from elsewhere in the Bible as well, uh, to look at my particular topic tonight. A number of years ago when I, I used to do lots of assemblies in primary schools, so the one particular assembly I used to do where I used to take a box in and I'd say to the kids, I've got a box here, and in this box is the most powerful weapon on earth. Can you tell me what it is? And the kids were always really imaginative. You know, is it a gun? Is it a hand grenade? You know, <laughs> they come up with all kinds of stuff. They never knew what was in that box. And so, yeah, so I opened it up and pulled out a picture of a tongue. I thought to bring up a proper live tongue would scare them a little bit. But a, a picture of a tongue, and they'd be like, what? What? We, you know, really disappointed because they thought I'd brought explosives into the school or something. And then I'd, I'd read to them Proverbs 18.21, which says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruits. The tongue has the power of life and death. And the whole assembly then was talking about how you can use your tongue for good or for evil. You can use your tongue to build up or to tear down. Um, I read this statistic this week. I don't know how true it is. I don't know who finds these statistics, but it said, on average, a person will speak 11 million words per year. For women, it is also around 11 million years, words per year. Words are powerful things. The Bible tells us, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. There's power in the words of God. He speaks things into existence. And human words are also powerful. Not in the same way as God's. Now, you know, some people do want to say that. There are some Christians out there who believe that we too, because we're filled with the Spirit of God, can bring things into existence with our words. I, I remember hearing one um, a while ago, and he was talking about if you go to your bank account and you put your cash card in and find that you've got no money in your account, you can speak words, in, uh, speak money into your account. You speak words you know, say, money be in my account, or, you know, whatever they might say, and money should appear in your account. That's rubbish. I've tried that five times, and it's never happened. It just doesn't work. It's, nuts. it's a nonsense. So our words are powerful, but not in the same way as God's, of course. God can create things 
with the power of his word. But our words are powerful as well in a different way. There's power in the tongue. We can use our words to build up or to tear down. Jesus said this very interestingly in Matthew 12, 34. He said, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now the book of Proverbs and the Bible in general has much to say about our words and and the use of our tongue and the things that we, we say. He talks a lot about words of folly and words of wisdom. He talks about words of condemnation and words of affirmation. As we read through scripture, we find that the Bible says to us that our words matter. Our words matter. In Proverbs 15, and we're going to jump around a little bit in Proverbs 15, but in Proverbs 15 and verse 2, it says this, The tongue of the wise adorns knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. This is in the NIV um, Proverbs 15.2, the tongue of the wise adorns knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. And similar to this, in verse 14, it says, the discerning heart seeks knowledge, but the mouth of a fool feeds on folly. The discerning heart seeks knowledge, but the mouth of a fool feeds on folly. So I want us to think, first of all tonight, about words of folly. I did a little look and to see what folly actually means. It's not a word we use very often, but it came up with this. Other words we can use instead of folly are madness, craziness, and stupidity. So words of madness, craziness, stupidity, and folly. And I think social media is an interesting thing in these days. That's where you find people's words today. And like on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, people are putting pictures, they're putting words there that say all kinds of things. I came across these things that some people who are clearly too stupid to actually be on social media, uh, some things they've actually put on social media. Someone put this. I came across these. This was a message sent to Domino's Pizza. And, And somebody put it on Facebook, the conversation. Uh, This message to Domino's Pizza said, I ordered a pizza and it arrived with no toppings. The Domino's Pizza sort of replied to this and said, we're really sorry about that. We will send over another one straight away. A few moments after that, there was a further message to Domino's Pizza from this guy who said, oh, it's okay. I opened the box upside down. (laughs) Words of folly. Words of stupidity. Someone put this, I've just found out, this is what they put on Twitter, I've just found out my birthday is on the same day that I was born. How crazy is that? Someone asked a question, does it take 18 months for twins to be born? Someone put this, I want my first daughter to be a girl. And someone posted this on the 1st of January 2014. They put, this beautiful earth is now officially 2014 years old. Amazing. Bless these people. They need our prayer. 
fully. We've, we've all said stupid things. Hands up if you've ever said anything stupid. Yeah, we're admitting Pastor Phil's not so sure. <laughs> let's, let's just do a different vote then. Hands up if you think Pastor Phil's ever said anything stupid in a sermon. There you go. So there we go. So you're in, you're in the group, Phil. I rem- remember saying something extremely stupid. I've said many stupid things, actually, but one, one has really stuck with me. I remember years ago when I was at Bible college, there was a, a German girl there, and I was trying um, to play guitar, not like Eddie can, but just trying, and uh, she was saying, can you play the guitar? And I said, I can play a few chords and everything. And, um, and I asked her if she could play the guitar, and that was one of the most stupid things I could have asked her, because this girl, bless her, only had one hand. And in all innocence, I just, I just said it to her, you know, because she was there. And afterwards, I felt so bad, and she just laughed. She just laughed at me and forgave me. Stupid things that we say. There was a Greek sage called Publius. That's a great name, Publius. He said this, I have often regretted my speech, but never my silence. I have often regretted my speech, but never my silence. You may have found yourself saying this or heard this before as well. It's better to remain silent and appear a fool than to open your mouth and remove all possible doubts. (laughs) You may have heard that as well. That's applied to me many, many times. We have personal folly. That is things that we as individuals might say that's pretty stupid and crazy. But we also have a world that speaks folly. If we look at what the world's saying today and what it's saying is good and what it's saying is right and what it's saying is proper, then we find the world often speaks folly when we, we uh, place that alongside the wisdom of God. So we have a world that's speaking folly, teaching our children that secularism is the way to go, that there's no God. In fact, not only that there's no God, it's anti-God that there's no such thing as truth, you know, everything's relative, you can decide for yourself what you want to believe. Folly is the opposite of wisdom. For example, to deny the existence of God is extreme folly, but to the world it's wisdom. But what does the Bible tell us? Psalm 14.1, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. That's a foolish, it's a statement of folly, words of folly. To deny God's right to tell us how we should live our life is folly. But the world says we can do what we want, how we want, whenever we want. There is folly all around us. I was, well, I don't know why I watch the, I keep telling you before, I watch things and I think, why am I watching this nonsense? But I was watching uh, GMTV the other week, which in in and of itself, you know, um, is, is not a good thing probably. But I thought it stood for God Morning TV, but it doesn't. It's Good Morning TV. And, um, but I was watching this, and they were interviewing a guy who was 90-year-old. And they introduced him as possibly the oldest transgender uh, person in the world. He was 90-year-old. This guy, bless him, he fought in wars. He was married. He had children. He got to 90-year-old and decided, actually, that all his life he'd been a woman. And he changed his name to Patricia And this person interviewing this guy all the way through referred to him not as a man but as a woman and called him Patricia and he's there with his painted nails and um, earrings and, you know, long hair, growing his hair longer. And he said, from being three-year-old, I knew I was a girl. 
But I lived in a time when I couldn't say it. So I went to war and I got married and I had kids, got to 90-year-old. But what was really sort of sad about this, and it was sad, and uh, I'm, not, I'm not judging this guy for how he feels, but what's sad is that the whole program and everything was treating this as if it's normal. And how amazing this guy is and how brave he is to do this and what a role model he is to our children. And you're like, really? Really, really? You see, what the world says is wisdom is actually folly. We can say some stupid things and we can come up with some stupid things and the world is doing that also. Words of folly. Folly, folly all around. Where can words of wisdom be found? Well, what about words of wisdom? I was watching something else again and it was the question that was asked is, do the ancients have anything to teach us? And there were people on there who were not very ancient, but they followed ancient practices. There were like Buddhists on there and some Hindus. Uh, strangely, not Christians, but these guys were on there talking about, you know, the, uh, the different sort of writings that they have in their religions. And there were a lot of people there, sort of modern day people, psychologists and uh, uh, various secularists and, and atheists of saying, basically, there's nothing we can learn from the past. Because, you know, we're wiser than anybody's ever been. You know, look at, look at the science we have now. These guys didn't know anything. Yeah, there might be little things that they spotted and things that they said and we think it's good. But in, in reality, there is nothing in the past to help us. The, the ancients have nothing to teach us. We are the wisest people, the cleverest people that have ever lived. And so when you think about the Bible, for example, you know, why would we believe that ancient book? Why should we follow what that says? You often hear people say this. When, uh, when they disagree with something that they see as, as ancient or of, of, of times past, they'll say, how can people believe this? This is 2017. As if, you know, things like from the past, wisdom just goes out of date. Because, you know, further we go on. And the Bible, as, along with ancient wisdom, was spurned and scoffed at. So we reject the words of God and we impart human wisdom Wisdom of the age for our children, into our children, and into their curriculum. You know, my daughter Beth's training to be a primary school teacher. We have people who, in our congregation who have recently trained to be primary school teachers as well. And um, you, you fear for them, for some of the things that they have to teach these children, things they have to allow into their classrooms. You know, our children are being taught that God doesn't exist Schools don't have to do assemblies anymore. We've evolved from lower life forms, and so our existence is really meaningless. We can live uh, how we want. We can be who we want without any consequence. Nobody can judge us. And, of course, this life is all there is, so we can eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. And then after which, we just go to nothingness. It's what our kids are being taught in a secular society. Is that wise? Are they words of wisdom? They're words of folly. 2 Timothy 3, 14 to 17. The Apostle Paul talking to Timothy, this young man. He says this, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise. Wise. 
for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Words of wisdom found in the word of God. Words of folly found in the world. Words of wisdom. You know, our children need words of wisdom imparting to them. Just recently, Josh and I have been helping in an after-school club on Thorpe Edge. And um, they're in a school, and we get around about 30 kids there. It's quite a, a number come along. And, and then we go and visit them as well on a Monday afternoon at their houses. And it's just unbelievable. You know, the things you see and the things you hear, these things that kids have to grow up with. You know, during the club, we always say, have you got anything you want us to pray about this week? And they just come out with all kinds of things. You know, in the last sort of couple of weeks, uh, one little girl sort of told everybody there how the police had just been around our house because people had been beating each other up and stuff. You know, this is a little girl who comes and gives a hug every time we come to the club and she goes home to a violent house and, and a crazy house and a dysfunctional family. We got one little girl who said that her mum had just died. And we thought, well, that's a bit strange. We visited your house last week and she was there. So something happened in this time. When we next visited, her mum was alive and well. And we were talking to one of the teachers at the school and she was saying she suffers from all kinds of mental issues and problems and stuff that she has. She'll just share things. And this poor kid just growing up in, in, a, in a confused world, in a messy world. And the one thing these kids are definitely not hearing in their homes is about a saviour who died and rose again. They're not. And that's why we need to be out there speaking to these kids and sharing words of life and words of wisdom, not words of folly. They've got enough of that all week long. They need to hear words of wisdom. In Proverbs 15 and verse 7, it says, The lips of the wise spread knowledge, but the hearts of the fools are not upright. And in verse 12, Mockers resent correction, so they avoid the wise. Mockers resent correction, so they avoid the wise. The wisdom found in the Bible will correct the lifestyles and choices of these mockers. So what do they do? They avoid God's word. They avoid God's people. They avoid anything that might challenge the way that they think, the way that they want to live. They will belittle the Bible. They'll say it's made up or it's full of errors or outdated or totally irrelevant to a modern world. Sadly, too, we have liberal Christians who support this position also by denying the clear teaching of Scripture. The other morning I was, I was driving along somewhere and uh, Radio 5 Live was on. I was listening and they were um, broadcasting that morning from a monastery in Yorkshire. And I don't feel any of that. But it was a monastery, but it was talking to nuns. And um, so I was listening to this, you know, it's interesting. And, and I went off. I, I remember where I went, somewhere, I met somebody. And then when I got back in the car later, they were interviewing um, a lady called Vicky Beeching. And Vicky Beeching is a Christian songwriter and theologian who, within the last two years, came out as, uh, as being gay. And she was talking. And again, it was just really sad to hear her say all the the words of condemnation she got from Christians 
those Christians who are saying you will now burn in hell. Those Christians are now saying your songs and everything we used to sing and believe about you are now worthless. And she, I really felt for her. She sounded like a lady in real pain and in and, and real turmoil. But she's still saying that to be gay and a Christian is okay with God. And it's really, really difficult, isn't it? Denying the clear teaching of Scripture and you feel for her and all that she's feeling and all that she's going through. And you definitely don't want to use your words to, to have a go at her like she said some Christians have been doing through social media or personally. But yet we stand on the word of God because the words of God are wise. And the words of the world are folly. In verse 33 of Proverbs 15, it says, Wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord and humility comes before honor. Wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord. We're, if we're wise, we fear the Lord. Not in a sense of shaking and terrified of him, but we respect him, we follow him, we trust him, we believe what the word of God says because words of wisdom are found in the word of God. So what else does the Bible say about the tongue? Well, in James chapter 3, the heading in the NIV is taming the tongue. But in James 3, 5 to 8, it says this. The tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. That's some words to say about the tongue, isn't it? How this, this what seemingly insignificant part of us can like set a whole forest on fire. You've maybe done that yourself when you've reacted in the wrong way and you've said the wrong thing to someone. If you're married, you'll know what I mean. You know, One of the things that Kath often says to me is the, the phrase, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Yeah, it's how you said it. Yeah. we've got to be careful what we say and how we say things. And sometimes our words can escalate things, can't it? You know, and, and as, as Christians, as, as people of God, we have to be able, by the help of the Holy Spirit, to know when to say things and when not to. But it's difficult. James says this, our tongue is a world of evil. Wow. It corrupts the whole person. James also says later on that we use the same tongue to praise God and curse others. We do. We can't believe it sometimes, the things we may be said as believers. We think this morning I was worshipping God with my hands in the air, praising him, thanking him, taking communion, and then later today, the same tongue I was using to praise him, I'm cursing somebody with, I'm calling somebody names, I'm, I'm saying bad things to them. But Proverbs 18, 21, I've already read it, it says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat of its fruits. What about, so our final section, words of condemnation and words of affirmation. I wonder if you've ever said something that you've regretted later. Anybody? <laughs> Even Phil's nodding his head for that one. Yeah. Words that we've said that we've later regretted. I remember when I was a teacher at Emmanuel College, 
I was teaching a year nine group. Year nine are like 14 year old going on for 15. They're a nightmare. Um, Lydia, what year are you in? Ten. Oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> you're okay then. I bet when you're year nine, you're a nightmare, weren't you? Just say yeah, and I'll move on. <laughs> Your dad said yeah. So, but yeah, that always that year because it's like they're not they're not sort of kids anymore. When they're year seven and year eight, you know, you feel you've got a little bit of control, and they sort of settle down a little bit when they get to ten and eleven. But nine is like this transition period when they go from being kids that you feel you control to to like little nightmares. And I remember having this year nine class, and there was one lad in the class, and he was just driving me crazy. He wouldn't listen, he wouldn't do as he was taught or anything. And I tried all my tactics that I thought I had to get him to sit down, to calm down, you know, to sort of make him just listen, make him behave, do something. He wasn't having any of it. And I think there's only two times I can remember when I was teaching, I really lost it. Really, really lost it in the classroom. And one time I remember because we were on this corridor and they had a history teacher um, across from me and the kids in the classroom said to the teacher, it was Miss Sutcliffe, said to her, oh, Mr. Brown's shouting. You never hear him shouting. And she says, well, somebody must have really upset him. <laughs> and it was this kid. And I remember saying to him, I can't remember the exact words, but it was basically, basically something like, you are useless. You're a waste of time. You're just never going to learn anything. You're never going to get anywhere. You know, I don't know why you bother coming to school or something like that. I just really tore strip off him before I had him removed. And I remember sort of after school that day, really feeling bad about what I'd said. And I, it just wouldn't go away. And I thought, blooming neck. I, I hate being a Christian. I've got to apologize to him. <laughs> so like, you know, so that about. So I remember the next morning going and seeking him out in registration, pulling him out of the class and apologizing to him. And it was right that I apologized to him because our, our words have the power of life and death. That kid maybe gets that all the time. Didn't he tell that from me as well? You know, you maybe understand why a person gets to that point, but shouldn't have said it. I've said things that I've later regretted. In verse 4 of Proverbs 15, it says, The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. I wonder whether you've ever had your spirit crushed by someone's words. I wonder whether you have. I remember preaching somewhere once. It wasn't here, but I remember preaching somewhere once, and I thought it was all right, you know, well, you know not Billy Graham, of course, but I thought it was all right. And uh, this guy came up to me afterwards, this older guy, and he just said, um, oh, can I just have a chat with you about your message? I said, yeah, great. He says, you know something? He says, it's supposed to be a gospel message, and your message want a gospel message. And he went on a bit too long. I mean, it's worse to me. So I hit him. No, I didn't. I, um, <laughs> I, I hit him in my head. Um, but I thought, you know, so you've just gone somewhere. You preach, you prepare something, you've got it ready, you, you sort of give it out, and then someone just comes and hits you between the eyes with something. You think, oh, my goodness. Thank you, Jesus, for these lovely people you put in front of me this morning. Your, your spirit is suddenly crushed. Me and Alice had, had a funny incident this morning and um, where we were just having a chat this morning and a lady came up to us. I, I don't have to tell you who it was, but she's not here. But uh, came up to us and interrupted our conversation and said, who's in charge of the bog rolls? 
was in church this morning, just come out, communion, wonderful service, message by Juan Mar, fantastic, and people are bothered about the bog rolls. But anyway, you know, so people say, people use words in all kinds of different ways, don't they? And they can really crush you at times. Mark Twain once said this, I can live for two months on a good compliment. Phil, we only need six of those a year. And we'll be okay, won't we? I can live for two months on a good compliment. Proverbs 18.21, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Proverbs 15 verse 1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Similarly, verse 18 sounds similar. A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. I think there must be certain professions where you need to be calm and offer a gentle approach. It's got to be. I think of like maybe being a police officer. I was talking to Paul Wharton this morning. And Paul is like a really calm guy. You know, I've known Paul a long time, long before he became a police officer. And he was always very calm, very placid. And when he said, I'm going to apply to be a police officer, I thought, I can see you doing that. Because you just better talk to someone very quietly, not get flustered, you know, and um, maybe that's the way to go. But a gentle answer turns away wrath, doesn't it? I'm sure maybe you've been in situations like that as well, where, you know, you've got a decision to make, someone's going crazy on you or whatever, and you can either sort of get involved in the craziness and uh, cause a fight or and stir up anger, as it says here, or you can just answer gently and calmly. A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. I wonder whether you ever get hot under the collar. I wonder whether you ever suffer from road rage. Any hands up? Bit of road rage? Not getting out of the car and wanting to hit somebody, but, you know, maybe honking your horn. Thank you for being honest. Occasionally, yeah. Yeah, isn't it funny how there are things that should wind us up and get us angry, and there are things that shouldn't, and road rage is one of those things that shouldn't, really. And so, But, yeah, it happens. You know, you think people are crazy. So we can use words of condemnation. But to finish with, I want us to think about words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. In Ephesians 4 and verse 29, he says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Let me read those again, because they are the Apostle Paul's words to the church at Ephesus, but they're the Bible's words to us. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. No unwholesome talk. I remember I was talking to Adrian a while ago. I can, I can sort of quote you, Adrian Carr. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he ain't got a clue what I'm going to say, so I don't know why he said that. <laughs> but I remember Adrian telling me that when he became a Christian, he stopped swearing. Yeah, and I've heard other people say that as well. I was never a great swearer. Um, but I might have done a little bit, but I became a Christian and stopped swearing. It was like you know, an instantaneous thing. 
It was like, you know, the first thing the Holy Spirit wants to do when you become a Christian is start to clean you up a little bit. And one of the evidences of that is maybe the words you say, the words that you use. Suddenly those things are gone. That, that's supposed to continue as we become more like Jesus. Maybe the things we watch, maybe the things we see on our computers, maybe the things that we read, you know, the... There's unwholesomeness. It's is just prevalent in our world, isn't it? You know, on TV particularly. Just flick a channel and you see something. Just go on your internet and you innocently see something. There's all this stuff, but there should be no unwholesome talk from those who are following Christ. And when we get it wrong, there's forgiveness. We know that. And we do get it wrong and we do say the wrong thing. But there's forgiveness. But what about some other things as well? that we shouldn't be doing. We shouldn't let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths. We, we shouldn't lie about things. We shouldn't. You know, have you ever heard anybody say, well, it was just a white lie? As if like, you know, you can, oh, it's just a white lie, so it's all right. No, we, we shouldn't be lying. We, we shouldn't be gossiping. This is a big thing, isn't it? You know, we, we talk a lot about sins in the Bible, and we always pick on the big things, don't we? So like we might talk about sexual sins particularly because that's prevalent in our world today and all that. But the Bible says, you know, it's a sin to gossip. And we find ourselves telling somebody something and we always sort of start by saying something like, I'm not sure whether I should or not. Is it gossiping? I'm not sure. No, but let me tell you anyway so that you can pray for them. And then we tell them. And we know really if you, if you feel that it might be gossiping, maybe we shouldn't be saying it. We shouldn't be using any words to sort of have a go at people or being, you know, anything that's unedifying, the Bible says. But rather we should try and build one another up. Encouraging words. Encouraging words. Kind words. Maybe humble words. I remember um, a few weeks ago I, I preached here at church and I often beat myself up after a message. I don't know if that's common for for uh, people who preach and stuff. But I often beat myself up and think that was pretty rubbish. I remember going home and telling Kath, that was pretty rubbish. This morning, we took the dogs out for a walk and, you know, sort of beating myself up a little bit. And um, and then that afternoon, I got a text from someone who, who thanked me for the message. And it really encouraged me. And then I came to church on the night and someone else said, oh, I really enjoyed that. And that encouraged me. And then I got a thank you in the bulletin this morning that I wasn't expecting from Christine Taylor for the message. And I wasn't expecting that. But just those little encouraging words. And of course I'm telling you this so that you all encourage me after tonight as well. <laughs> Obviously none of you now can come and tell me how rubbish I was or anything. You can only come and say that was amazing and text me, you know, when I get home. And I'm only joking. I'm not saying that for this reason at all. But what I'm saying is, you know, you do much more with an encouraging word than a word to put someone down, don't you? And we so easily put people down. And we need to catch ourselves. And we can't be people who build up others without the help of the Holy Spirit. Without sort of taking on Christ and wanting to be like him. To encourage each other. To share kind words. Not lying words. You know, you don't want to just say something to someone and you're lying for the sake of it. That's not right. I remember again at Bible college many years ago, we used to have a guy who used to listen to us all preach. He had to take it in turn and preach in front of the class, which was right scary. And then after everyone preached, he said how amazing they were and everything. And we were sat there like, no, they're not. They should never, they should never stand at the front ever again. But, you know, you, so you, you don't lie to people, 
But by the same token, you know, we want to encourage one another. Welcome, Hada. <laughs> Someone said this. Flatter me and I may not believe you. Criticize me and I may not like you. Ignore me and I may not forgive you. Encourage me and I will not forget you. I like that. I'm going to read it again. Flatter me and I may not believe you. Criticize me and I may not like you. Ignore me and I may not forgive you. Encourage me and I will not forget you. I like that. Abraham Lincoln apparently carried around with him a newspaper clipping stating that he was a great leader. Just to carry it around just to remind himself. When anybody had a go at him, he'd get this out and say, actually, no, I'm a great leader. That's what the paper says. Maybe we need to carry something around with us as well just to remind ourselves. Maybe a verse of scripture or something to remind us that we're children of God, that we're loved by him, that we're forgiven, we're chosen of him. We carry that round with us. And every time we feel a bit down or somebody's had a go and the devil has a go, pull that out and we read it and remind ourselves who we are. So words are powerful. And we need to watch what we say and how we say it. We want to be those that build up and not tear down. And I end with Psalm 141 and verse 3. Psalm 141 and verse 3 says this, and I pray for each one of us. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Amen. To us today, tonight, this evening, Lord, thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for hearing and listening our prayers, praises, Lord. Thank you for your message, Lord, where we guard our tongues, Lord. Guard us against harming anyone with our tongues, Lord. In all ways, even if we say the right thing in the wrong way, Lord, help us to be wise in how we speak. But that we should edify each other. Our brothers and sisters should edify each other. That will build each other up with words of wisdom that come from your word. And to those who do not know you, Lord, that we speak with love of all that you have said in your word, calling them to come to know you, Lord, through Jesus Christ. That we can say to each other, behold, our God seated on his throne. Come, let us adore him. And say to those who don't know you, Lord, this is our God, the servant king, and cause us to follow him. So, Lord, help us to guard our tongues. Help us to speak freely of the love that you have for the world. That you gave your son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. The great promises from your word, Lord. So, Father, help us, Lord. With all that we have to go out and live and serve you with joy and thanksgiving and worthy of our calling and worthy of the gospel and worthy of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. And in his name we ask all these things, giving you thanks and praise, Lord. Amen. Thank you. Good night.